Amen. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We are going to be finishing up this letter today. We'll be done. Uh, I was sharing with Pastor Chris earlier this morning that I struggle because here we've spent about 11, 11, 12 weeks here in, in the book of Ephesians. And uh, for me, it, it, there's just so much more in here than what we do in 11 or 12 weeks, 30 minutes at a time. Um, I, I, love to, uh, I love to teach. My heart is in teaching and, and you know, to truly teach through this um, I could easily do it, and I could I could easily take a whole year to really teach through the book of Ephesians. Uh, but there's a difference between teaching and preaching, and my hope here, as we've gone through this, is that the parts that the Holy Spirit would desire for this congregation to receive, uh, that, we were, that we've received those. And, uh, and uh, the parts that maybe the Holy Spirit lays on you individually has spoken to you. That's part of why I encourage every week to take time and read through the letter as a whole, because we are not going to hit everything in here, but as you take time to read through the letter as a whole, individually, that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and pull those things out. So uh, I, I hope that you've got that. Uh, we've, as we've walked through the book of Ephesians, just a reminder that it's, it's a letter from Paul. Uh, the first half of it is about our identity in Christ, who we are, and what we have as his children. And it's important for us to remember those things and to hold on to those things. We need, we need to know who we are and what we have in Jesus. And, and then because we know who we are and what we have, the second half of the book is this is then how you should live as his children. Because of who we have, because of who we are and what we have, and really, if if you if we don't hold on to the first part and we only do the second part, that it only it, it's just a bunch of rules that we follow, and it's not about a relationship. The way we live out our relationship should be because we know who we are and we're thankful, we're grateful, and so we want to live this way, not we have to. Because rules are, no one likes rules, but we love relationships. And when we're in a relationship that's honoring, when we're in a relationship with Jesus because we know who we are and what he's done, we want to do these things for him. When we love someone and care about them, we want to do things for them. And that's, that's what this is all about. So, uh, so we're in the last part of Ephesians chapter 6. So uh, there in verse 10, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to read for us uh, starting in verse 10 through the end of the chapter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from, the God, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Father, we thank you for this letter again. We thank you for this opportunity we've had as a family to uh, walk through this letter together. And uh, thank you for the time that we've spent. Lord, I pray today that you will give us ears to hear and that you will open our hearts for us to receive the message that you uh, are giving to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are here among us. Thank you that you speak to us. Father, help us to receive this and then give us boldness to go out and to live out these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So my heading that I have right here is uh, the armor of God. Uh, really, to me, uh, it is armor of God. It talks about the armor of God, but it's really about spiritual warfare. The whole thing is about spiritual warfare. And the reality is, is that we, as followers of Jesus, the spiritual realm is real, spiritual world is real, and we are battling in a battle of spiritual warfare. Um, putting on the armor of God is one part of this. I, I would say for the most part, the American church does not engage in spiritual warfare, for the most part. For the most part, we come to church, we do church, we come together, we sing songs, we listen to a good message. Uh, we're, more, we more, we're more fixed on ourselves and what makes us happy, and we really want a faith that is going to make us happy. I would say that, for the most part, is American church. Now, I would say, I would, would make an argument that this congregation is a little bit different, uh, that because of the work that we've been involved in, uh, we probably are a little bit more engaged in spiritual warfare than the average American church. But I would say most, most of the American church is not engaged in spiritual warfare as we should be. But we need to pay attention and we should be. Because this whole thing, that's what, that's what this whole thing's all about. This whole thing is about establishing God's kingdom and the enemy is there to keep that from happening. And he's going to do all that he can. Um, we need to be mindful. Uh, we need to be mindful of the enemy and what he's trying to do because the reality is he's mindful of us. Verses 11 and 12 say, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly realms. The spiritual darkness, the spiritual world is real and we need to be mindful of it. 
the devil and his, and his folks are mindful of us. They're paying attention to us, and uh, they want to do all they can to trip us up and to mess us up. Uh, this week, Jessica's been gone. She's been down in Savannah uh, with gymnastics and uh, with national uh, gymnastics nationals, and uh, Isabel's been down with her. Isabel competes today at one o'clock. So I've been a mess, you know, because I haven't had my wife with me. Um, and Satan has done all he can without my wife to do all he can to mess me up, you know, and that's what Satan looks for. He looks for those moments when we're weak, when things are different to mess us up, and, uh, and it's real. Um, I'll say this, we need to be mindful of the enemy, but not obsessed with the en- enemy. I think sometimes we get obsessed, and sometimes we give more credit than credit is due to the enemy. Sometimes your car just breaks down, okay? Uh, it's, it's not the enemy causing your car to break down. Sometimes it just breaks down. I, I knew someone that would not take his car in. He didn't take it in for two weeks, but he prayed over it every day that it would start. I know Satan's just trying to keep me from going to work. He's making it hard on me. No, I just need to take your car in and get it fixed. And he did. He got it fixed and it was fine. Sometimes we give more credit than credit is due, but we still need to be mindful that the enemy is at work. Um, I've shared some of these stories before. I'm going to share them again. There's been different times in my life, in my ministry, where darkness has made itself known. Uh, where darkness has made itself real to me. Uh, I remember one time, I think my junior year here at Tacoa Falls, I'd gone hiking uh, on the backside of campus. Uh, we used to call it Beaver Dam Trail. Uh, we'd go out that trail and I'd gone hiking and just was worshiping and praying and followed it all the way out and eventually into the ATV trails and then around, made my way up to where the train trestle is. And so uh, coming in the bottom and it was pretty amazing to me that as I got closer and closer to underneath that bottom part of the train trestle, just the spiritual darkness that was there and how strong it was. And, and, and all I could think, I'm just, I'm here in Tekoa. What in the world is this? And it was just God reminding me that, that it's here and it's real. And, uh, and as I continued to pray, as I continued to sing, and I've made my way up out, I mean, there's no one around, no people around. Uh, but as my, I made my way out and made my way up the side, eventually I come up to the top where the train tracks were. And as soon as I came up over the top, it was gone. The darkness was gone. It was down there. And it was real. And God was just reminding me that it's a spiritual battle. There's darkness here, even here in Tekoa, that we have to go against. Uh, I remember another time Jessica and I were shopping in the mall and we had just gone into a particular store, a store we didn't really didn't know much about, hadn't been in before, but something grabbed our eye and we walked in. And as soon as I walked through the doors, I could just feel a dark presence that was just, it was real. And I kind of looked at Jessica to see if she'd noticed anything and she didn't show anything. And so we kind of kept going. We got about a third of the way into the store and all of a sudden Jessica's eyes just popped and she just looked at me and I just kind of nodded my head and it was like, okay, let's, we're not going to hang out in here. We're out. And we walked out and started talking about it and prayed for that place. But it was amazing. We can go in one store and it was fine, but we walked into that store and the presence of the enemy was obvious to us. 
Uh, I think of a third time I was with my youth up in Winston-Salem. I was a youth pastor up there at, at Faith Church, and uh, we had done, we had gone to, it was October, so we went and did a corn maze, right? Who's been to a good corn maze? Those can be fun. Uh, right next to the corn maze, though, was the Haunted Woods. Some of my kids wanted to go, let's go do the Haunted Woods. I'm like, why would you even want to? Part of the corn maze got over near the Haunted Woods, and it was pretty amazing to me that even when you got over onto that side near the Haunted Woods, the presence of darkness that was obvious there. Leaving the Haunted Woods, or leaving the corn maze, we're heading back to the van. Some of our kids, like I said, they wanted to go, and I'm like, no, we're not going there. But the line that left the Haunted Woods that went, it was such a long line. And I, and I was sad, I was mad, I, just all of those emotions at once that all of these people were just being deceived in the name of entertainment. They were being deceived towards this darkness. And even my own youth kids, kids that I've been trying to teach about Jesus and they just wanted to go to the haunted woods and I'm like, no, don't you know, don't you feel that? It was amazing to me. Once we got past the end of that line to the parking lot, it, it, you didn't feel it anymore. But man, you felt it all the way through that line. Darkness is real. The spiritual world is real. And the enemy wants to deceive us and make us think, oh, it's fine. Life is fine. Do your thing. If you're not thinking about the reality of the spiritual realm every day, if you're not thinking about the darkness that's out there and that we're in a battle, then he's got you blinded to what's going on. Because it's all around us. We need to be mindful. Because he's mindful of us. Uh, personally, I've shared this before. I was eight years old when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. October 5th, 1980. For some of you, that was a long time ago. Others of you are like, yeah, that's not too long ago. But the week before I accepted Jesus, I said to my mom, I said, Mom, the devil and Jesus are fighting over me. As an eight-year-old, that's what I said. And I don't know why I said it, except that that's what I felt like was happening inside here. And it was a week later, my mom came back from a retreat, and I sat down and I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. For months leading up to that moment, um, I would have nightmares. Uh, nightmares? I don't know. Uh, outside my window, to me, at night, there was a cloaked figure with a hood and no face that was there that it scared me, scared me. But that, it was there, frequently. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I never saw that figure again. Never came back. When Brandon was four years old, Brandon's my oldest son, when he was four years old, we were, having a, um, Bible, we were reading Bible stories before he went to bed one night. He was four, and I said to him, I said, Brandon, you know that you can ask Jesus, do you know what it means to ask Jesus to be your Savior? You know that we need this. And he looked at me, and he says, I can't. And I said, why can't you? He says, because my heart is locked. Four years old. I said, what do you mean your heart is locked? He goes, my heart is locked. I can't ask Jesus because my heart is locked. I said, well, uh, Brandon, who has the keys to the lock? And he says, the green smiley face outside my window has the keys. Four years old. The week before, his nightlight in his bedroom had gone out, and uh, the bulb went out, and he was scared. It was dark, and he wanted some light. And so I grabbed, I don't know, for a while, Walmart did the little smiley face uh, nightlights. And so I had one sitting in my 
dresser and grabbed it, and I went in and plugged in. And I said, there, buddy, here's a nightlight. And he was like, no, no, get it out, get it out, no, no. And he did not want that smiley face nightlight. And I didn't understand at the moment, but when he said this, I understood why. And I said to him, I said, Brandon, you know that if you tell the green smiley face to give the keys to Jesus, he has to do it. And at four years old, Brandon, I didn't even tell him, Brandon turns and faces like he was outside the window. He balls up his little fist and he says, green smiley face, you give those keys to Jesus now. And I said, Brandon, where are those keys? And he goes, Jesus has them. And I said, where's Jesus? And he turns and he points at the doorway between the living room and the kitchen. He says, he's standing right there. And I said, Brandon, ask Jesus to come unlock your heart. And I watched this four-year-old completely relax as he asked Jesus to come and unlock his heart and ask Jesus into his life. And I put him to bed and I was so mad that the enemy would mess with a four-year-old kid. But he does because he's going to do all he can and he doesn't care. He's going to do all he can to keep the gospel from advancing. That's the battle we're in. That's the fight we're in. And he doesn't care. So for me, it was a pretty big deal to see Brandon graduate this year with a degree in youth ministry and to be licensed as a worker in the Christian Missionary Alliance with a desire and a call to go into youth ministry. Because to me, that means we have victory. Satan didn't stop him. Satan, Satan couldn't stop. We win. And so today, as we look at this, we have to remember that we are constantly in this battle. We win. And that's what we talk about today. The steps that we take to win. 1 Peter 5.8, some of these are very familiar verses. 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to snack on. Devour. Man, that is a strong word. The difference between someone snacking on finger foods and someone devouring their meal. Picture yourself. I mean, picture of someone doing that. It's a big difference. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He's looking to deceive us. He doesn't want us to know. He wants us to go about our business and be like he's not even there and he's gonna make himself look good to keep us from being aware. But we have to be mindful. We have to be aware. So the first thing that we see this morning is the armor of God. We have to prepare for battle. We have to prepare for battle. How do we do that? Well, he lists a number of things that we have the opportunity to do. First of all, we put on the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The, the belt of truth. Uh, John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, later in John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. First John three eighteen, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We're supposed to put on truth. Now, some of you don't have this issue, but I do. I can't see my belt because my belly hangs over it. Okay? 
Now, it is a little bit smaller than it used to be, but it hangs over. So what do I do? And I've told you this. I put on my truth right here on my bracelet every single day. It says truth on it. And I wear this because I did not like to tell the truth. I shared this a few weeks ago. I like to make up stories that were fun, that made myself look better. And so I had to get me a little belt that I put around my wrist every day that reminds me to walk in truth because I need this because I have to put on the belt of truth every day. And when I physically do it every day, it does something for me. There, the rest of these, I don't put on a breastplate and walk around, okay? Um, I, I don't, but I can put on this because this represents all of it for me. When you think about the breastplate of righteousness, what does the breastplate cover? Your heart. It covers a heart. God calls our hearts to righteousness and we put on that righteousness to protect our hearts. Why? Because our heart is where our passions come from. And when we have righteous passions, we have the Lord's passions. When we have righteous love, we love like the Lord does. When we have righteous feelings, we feel our emotions are, are line up with Jesus. It's important for our hearts to be protected. Because when our hearts are walking in unrighteousness, we, we don't have passions that honor the Lord. When our hearts are walking in unrighteousness, we, we don't love like the Lord does. And it, we allow our emotions to control us instead of them being emotions that honor Jesus. We have to protect our hearts with his righteousness. Verse, verse 15 talks about our footwear with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Part of the armor of God that we put on are the shoes to spread the gospel. We, we often think of armor to protect us. You know, the shield protects us. Our belt protects us. Now we're putting on shoes to carry the gospel. Part of putting on the armor of, armor of God is to put on the shoes to take the gospel where it needs to go. Uh, it just makes me think of Romans uh, 10 uh, verses 14, 15, where it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those that, that bring the good news. We're supposed to take the gospel as part of the armor we put on. We put on the shoes that'll carry the message of the gospel. Verse 16 talks about the shield of faith. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When I think about that, when I think of the flaming arrows, you think of the movies, you see those movies where they light the arrows and they send them. What do they send? One or two, right? It's crazy. These armies, and they would light these arrows, and you look, and they've got hundreds or thousands of arrows flying at once at the castle or the group, and when they got their shield and hold it up. What I love is when they all get together and they get their shields lined up, and it's a giant wall that's blocking all those arrows. They're protecting themselves. They're protecting each other. That's what our shield of faith does. When we come together like this, we've all brought our shields of faith and right now we have a wall against those flaming arrows. Part of why, part of why I feel all messed up when Jessica's gone is because I got my shield. I like having our shield. I like us coming together and having our shield to fight together because I can't do it on my own. 
And Christians out there that say, I don't need a church, or I don't need to be part of a church, or I don't want, I don't understand how they're doing it. I don't understand how they're doing it. I want that wall. We take up our shield of faith and we do it for each other. We do it together. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. We don't see everything. We don't see the enemy, but we know he's there. Because the word tells us he's there. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. We know Jesus is with us. I don't actually see this shield, but it's there. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We put on the helmet. What does the helmet cover? Our head. What's inside, some of us inside our head is our brain. Protects our mind. Satan wants to do all he can to mess with our mind. To sow seeds of doubt. Am I really saved? Man, if I was really saved, I wouldn't have done that. If I was really saved, I wouldn't have had that thought. See, you're not really saved. Our helmet of salvation reminds us that we are really saved. We really are God's children. He really wants to bless us. Everything that said in the first few chapters of this book, of this letter, are real for us. It's really who we are. It's really what we have in Jesus. And we wear our helmet of salvation to remind us that's really who we are and what we have. And it keeps out those thoughts of doubt we can hold on to our salvation. We can have that assurance in him. The sword of the spirit, God's word, the only offensive peace. This is what fights for us. This is what fights for us. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Sometimes I feel like the sword of the spirit's used on me. But it's also used to fight against the ways of the enemy. We use scripture to defend ourselves. We use scripture to walk in his ways. We use scripture to help other people see the light. I, I, I think of, I think of a, a fencer, a skilled fencer. What, is that the right word? There's another word for it. But man, they know what they're doing. Every, every movement is planned. They practice. I mean, I'm thinking it's a little wiry sword. What do you have to practice? But they practice with this thing. They know what it does. They know how to move. They've studied their opponent. They know what their weaknesses and strengths are. They know what they're guarding against. They know because they spend time. Have we spent time in God's word to know what to do, to know how to battle the enemy, to know where their strengths and weaknesses are? We have to spend time in God's word. It's the armor of God. And I don't know what you need to do, but I would encourage you to do something to put this on each day. Do something to put this on. For me, it's my bracelet. When I put this thing on, for me, it represents the whole thing, and I know the whole thing, and I put this on. Some people want to print this out and post it on their mirror, and when they're getting ready in the morning, they're going to read. And, they, and I, have some, I know some people, they 
they read it every morning out loud and in their mind they put these things on. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? All right. Uh, th they say when you do a sermon that all your points should have equal amount of time. Um, that's not happening today. Uh, second point is pray constantly. We have to pray. That's part of spiritual warfare. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is spiritual warfare. Prayer is spiritual warfare. We put on the armor of God. We do these things, but then we also pray because that's how we fight. That's how we battle. That's what we do. And what do we do? What do we pray for? Well, I would say this. We pray for each other. We have to pray for each other. Paul does that back in chapter 1. And we, we did a whole message on this. You can go listen to it. Verse 15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And when you read the rest of that, good grief, Paul prays for them. That's how we should be praying for each other. Now, we should be praying constantly. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Praying continually. What do we do that? We do that with an attitude and a heart for prayer. We constantly just have a conversation with God. At any point in time, I can talk to the Lord, and he's ready to listen. I have no doubt he's hearing me, ever. We should also, though, have set times where I'm going to sit down and put everything else aside, and I'm going to pray. Well, I pray all the time. I don't need to do that. Yes, you do. That's a lie from Satan if you believe that. Have set times to pray as well and pray for each other. I like, uh, I have an app called Echo. It's, it's on my phone. Uh, it connects to my watch and uh, I can set up prayer times and I have set up different times that I pray for. I get a reminder on my wrist to pray for different people at different times. Some people every day, some people weekly, sometimes it's special situations and I'll put reminder that I want to be praying for those things. I get reminders, so I'm praying throughout the day, I'm praying throughout the day. I want to have a heart and an attitude. I don't want to find myself ever in a situation where I'm like, I get a reminder to pray and I'm like, well, I can't pray right now. I don't want that to happen. I always want to be praying. One of the things I pray for is I pray for this community. I pray for this community. I have sat twice on here, twice every day to pray for this community at 706. 706. Why 706? Why 706? It's our area code. At 706. If I'm up in the morning, I'm up. I'm usually up. If I'm up in the morning at 706, I pray for our community. Every night at 706, I get my reminder. At 706, I feel it's off. I look down. I see the time. 706, I pray for our community. I do it every day. The enemy is out there, and most of the people out there don't even know he's there. We have to be praying for our community. And why do we pray for our community? Because point number three, we are to advance the kingdom of God. We have to pray for the advancement of the kingdom. That's what we have to be about. That's why we're here. Paul, in verses 19 and 20, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Where's Paul? 
in prison. He just says, I'm in chains. Is he saying, pray that I get out of jail? No. Despite his circumstances, he's praying for the advancement of the kingdom. He's saying, pray that I can share the gospel effectively. Pray that I can make the mystery of the gospel known. He doesn't say, pray that I can get out of jail. Despite his circumstances, where are his eyes fixed? They're fixed on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer perfecter of our faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Despite our circumstances. And we pray. Because we're in a battle. The battle's not going anywhere. But Satan's going to do all he can to get our eyes and our mind off of that battle and, and off of the fact that we get to advance the kingdom. That's where he wants us focused. That's what he wants us to do. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and battle. We're going to battle for some folks that uh, are, we're sending out this week. Um, we have our students, some of our adults, that are going to be going down to Envision Miami. They leave Friday. And we have to go to fight for them. Um, they can't do this on their own. Uh, I couldn't do it on my own. Um, they can do it because we're going to fight for them. So we're going to ask. We have a number of the students here. And uh, we're going to ask them to come in. And Pastor Chris, you're going to take over for us and, and do this part, okay? All right. I'm going to pray for us first. Father, we love you and thank you so much that you have given us all the tools we need to battle for your kingdom. Father, I, I don't want to be a soldier like the world defines soldier. I want to be a soldier the way that you define soldier. And, and the way I see that is on our knees humbly in prayer. In love. Help us to pray that way. Thank you, Jesus.